Hey everybody, this is Zach. Hey, this is Richard. And uh, today, a very special spooky episode. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I said my name today, that's very spooky. We're, <laughs> we're going to be talking about uh, Werewolf by Night. Um, which is funny, it's kind of a throwback to uh, old, like, holiday special type things. Um, mm-hmm. Which is weird, but first, uh, I guess we can we can discuss uh, me me me's. Um, yes. Did you want to go first, or did you want me to? I guess we should really figure out this before we start recording. <laughs> <laughs> no, that would make us look too organized. <laughs> Two hundred episodes in, and we're <laughs> we're still like, do you want to talk first or me? <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't think we're gonna get the manscape ad by Zach. Yeah. I think. I don't think that's where we're going to end up. Nah. <laughs> I think we gotta we gotta be comfortable with that. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> sponsored uh, by our sponsor today, a very hairy person. Yes. Um, just be exactly as you are, and you will be a very hairy person. <laughs> our business is failing because there's nothing for you to buy. There's nothing for you to buy. It's just be yourself. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. A brand that exists and doesn't exist at the same time. Fabulous. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, did did you want me to go first then? Or... Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, I got a handful of things. Um, one of them will be pretty quick because I don't know if I want to make it a full on topic or not. Um, have you mm. ever seen the rental? rental it's no so it's generally about a group of people it's i can't remember if it's actually um directed by dave franco or not but it's dave franco allison brie and some other actors that that are playing friends of theirs um renting a Mm -hmm. cabin through like an airbnb type thing um Mm -hmm. and then slowly realizing that they're being watched like mm-hmm. finding cameras and shit around the house. Oh, I feel like I've seen a trailer being, for this or something. Yeah, and like being stalked and and hunted down and things like that. But um, mm-hmm. there, there's not a whole lot to the movie, but it's it's uh, really enjoyable and also one of the things that makes me not want to ever use Airbnb. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, just because yeah, I've I've heard stories of people who have legitimately found like a camera tucked away in the bathroom somewhere and it's like i mm, no that's okay i don't want to deal with all that mess (laughs) Um, yeah you don't want to fulfill like someone's very specialist niche uh site um with your images yeah like they're gonna they're gonna get your content and then he's gonna be like okay all right who who can we market this to? Oh, there's that group. Yeah, yeah. they would love this content. <laughs> hey, there has it over to there them. has to be an audience out there for fat hairy men. Um, just Dude, doing man, things. there's a so like <laughs> there's there's an audience where the audience might look very much like the viewer potentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, like maybe for I was thinking maybe for like a like a Halloween episode or something we could we could do mm-hmm. that. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I think I'd have to rewatch it to really kind of see if it's they, they, there's anything meaty in there because it's you know one of these indie horror movies that 
it's got a cool mm-hmm. premise. Um, it probably didn't have quite the budgeting that they needed for it, even though it does have a Franco and Allison Brie, uh, and I think Toby Huss is in there as well. Um, mm-hmm. So like they've got quality actors in there, but it's it's uh, mm-hmm. I don't know how well it did at the theaters or even if it went to theaters. To be honest, yeah. Um, the uh, the other thing that I watched through is kind of forgettable, but if you like John Wick, you might like it. Um, it's uh, Kate from uh, Netflix. It's Mary Elizabeth Winstead is an assassin in Japan, and the ticking clock is that she has been um, double-crossed and poisoned with uh, a, a neurotoxin that is making it more and more difficult for her to actually do her job, which is just, you know, be a badass assassin um Mm. it's one of these things where it's just like yeah this is my my last job and then i'm done and it's like oh so clearly someone fucked you over from the inside okay got it (laughs) Mm. um but yeah like it's it's one of these that's stylized like a john wick movie um you know i i recommend it if you like that it's it's kind of got atomic blonde vibes as well Mm. um there's just no no, well, actually, yeah, no. It's uh, I think a better comparison to it is is Atomic Blonde, just because of how stylized it is. Uh, whereas mm-hmm. John Wick is not quite as stylized. Uh, yeah, as a set piece, they're, they're they're mainly you know him being a really good shot with a pistol or killing a guy in an interesting way, and then that's that's it. There's not a whole lot of style to it. Um, so. It's fun if you like that type of movie. If you don't like violence in movies, then I, I don't know why you're listening to us, but... Um, yeah. It's, uh, you know... We're the reason they put violence in movies, folks. Yeah, it's our fault. Exactly. <laughs> Every time a movie is not going to have violence, we're like, why can't it have violence? And then this family movie has a fist fight, like three quarters of the exactly. way in. Exactly. Just, exactly. Just you do blood not want, everywhere. You do not want to see our cut of the Santa Claus. Exactly. <laughs> or of any movie, Home Alone, Massacre. Yeah. It's a bloodbath. Yeah, just terrible. He, terrible. Do you think he, Danny DeVito is still he, alive? Or uh, Joe Pesci, no. rather? After he, <laughs> takes, after he takes them out, he, um, he takes out his family, too, because now he's got a thirst for it. He has a hunger for murder with fanciful impairments. <sighs> and so he's, he sets them up. And now, like, uh, what is his name? Butch? Butch has like the most horrendous death scene. It makes Buzz. Saw Buzz, look yeah. yeah, it makes Saw look like Buzz. Yep. <laughs> exactly. You thought you were watching Saw? No, it's Buzz. Bzz. Now get out of here. Now I have to write this movie. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> and No, I, I had a conversation with my wife. Did I have it with you? Or I think it was my, my wife. Um you guys are, are, are spiritual uh planets that rotate around each other but within within different atmospheres yeah. like you're not the same size or kind of planet but the circular motion yeah. uh, you know is, is the same as far as how your spirits operate so i was telling her my idea for potentially her if it wasn't with you my idea for home alone and i was i was getting this vibe right after we had watched home alone one and two and I was like, what if, um, uh, so Home Alone happens, 
And then it was it was a little bit like what I was telling before, except I remember it being a bit more serious. Um, and it's like after what is it? Oh, he's living in a house all by himself. Mm. Macaulay Culkin's character is living by himself in like a a dilapidated kind of home. Okay. Like it's it's obvious that the rest of his family has sort of abandoned him, and we're not really sure like what happened. <laughs> Like what's what's occurred there? Like why there's been an estrangement? But he's it's literally called, uh, you know, alone at home, you know, or something like that. So you're kind of like reversing it, right? Because now he has separated himself, like willingly, um, as opposed to like they left him. No, he left them, you know. Uh, so now he's alone at home. He's not even in his own home he's just alone in this alone's the primary thing that's existing so anyways um and then devito's character and uh what's his name's character no joe pesci, joe pesci i know i said danny joe DeVito pesci's character <laughs> yeah you got me mixed up a whole different kind of movie although now that's i want to like... see danny devito in home alone <laughs> Yeah, so anyway, it'd be, I uh, like, shooting. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> it'd be more like throw mama off the train kind of vibes, I think. Like it he'd be, be like, exactly that's that. how he, yeah, <laughs> he'd be approaching Macaulay with just like a murderous, and for some reason his murderous rage comes across as just like really weird. Yeah, yeah. like as if there's no way in his mind he can think about wanting to murder someone else. So what comes out is just like this weird derangement. You know, now it's for the uh, part of the Macaulay Culkin's character. Can we actually get Danny DeVito as Kevin? Like that would be hilarious. <laughs> alone so at listen, home, forty years later. <laughs> so listen, I was alone at home. <laughs> Started blasting now, um, and uh, so he's home. You know, he's he's home. What what used to be his home. I'm guessing too. It's it should be like the first house that they were in. Yeah. Like it's obvious they left. You know, and like you see like cracked pictures, but some of the portraits are still sort of up. Yeah. But they're kind of like dusted over, so you can't really tell who still has favor with him or who doesn't. And um, so basically, after the second movie, like uh, Joe Pesci's character got like put away. They put him away hard. Yeah. You know, for the attempted murder and everything. He's been serving like 25, 30 years, you know. And he was he got off with good behavior. And, um, but he's been, uh, he's been training himself. Like, with like drills and like ways to like escape. So he's, and he's also like joined like a gang and he was like the leader. So he's just lethal now. Like he's just like a murdering, like <laughs> badger. He's like a yeah. murder badger, right? And um, he's also knows that, uh, you know, Macaulay's character, Culkin's character, knows that Pesci is like uh, just ready. You know, he's coming in hard. Like he's, so it's like a real serious film. So now like all the traps that he's trying to set off uh, are just like much more elaborate and crazy. But let's let's do it too that now Let's not make it his his childhood home. Make it this home that looks like his childhood home, but is a lot, lot larger. It's like a fucking mansion, right? 
because that gives us the opportunity for like really elaborate traps and for what I want you to, to, to have by the end is that you you see Macaulay Culkin's character as like the uh, eventually like oh he's the victim but then it's like oh he's like sort of the ringleader he's like the, the wizard behind the curtain because <laughs> Pesci's character is trying to get to him yeah. for revenge and so you don't get as involved in Macaulay's character you're actually centered on Pesci's character and so you're there with him while he's trying to survive these death traps. So by the end of it, you kind of want Pesci to win, you know, because he's, you, you get flashbacks, right? Let's, you get flashbacks to Pesci's time in jail and like lessons that he's learned, like, and, or like guys that, uh, you know, this guy was getting like beat up, you know, maybe he was going to get like, you know, assaulted and typically the movie narrative terms yeah <laughs> this is alone at home so he was going to get assaulted in a sexual manner potentially yeah and pesci's character was like gonna walk away but then he's like nah i can't you know um i cut i cut in in front of this guy at the line because he's a new dude and uh i saw that you know uh he's just kind of meek you know he's not going to survive this situation it's just going to break him sure so then he like s- squeezes in there because maybe we've set We've set the, the the table for Pesci's, how he got to where he was. And so it isn't assault, but it is like, you know, a lot of violence at home or something. And the fact that, uh, you know, he didn't have a stable home and he used to get beat up all the time. So like just hitting a kid or beating up a kid just doesn't, he'd never cared. You know, it never even registered as something that you shouldn't do. Um, and so he's learned, you know, not that. But he's also knows that Macaulay's character is now an adult. He's no longer a kid anymore. Um, so you get those kind of flashbacks and those experiences to kind of set the table. And that's why by the end, you sort of want Pesci's character to win. Yeah. Um, and so I want, then I, I wouldn't really state now whether I'd want it to be like a triumphant ending or like, oh, he does it. Because I think it's almost better if he doesn't make it through, right? Yeah. But it's a hollow victory for uh, Culkin's character you know maybe he just uh, he sets off you know we have a premonition throughout the whole movie there's like um, a tripwire there's like a little red tripwire in his like main room yeah. and you can see that there's like a like a uh, a set of scissors you know they're like hanging up like on a little uh, display post right. that are just hanging there like open so it's kind of like, well, what's what's this whole wire thing about, you know, potentially? And uh, later on in the middle of the scene, before um, before Pesci's character gets there, like he sort of like finger flicks the wire, you know? So you hear like the ding, ding, you know, real high pitch. And so you're like, oh, what's this about? Um, but then after uh, Pesci's character dies, you know, um, Macaulay Culkin's character doesn't even like, go over to acknowledge him he just like shuts down the monitors and then he heads up to his like private room and then you see him like take a little bit of time for doing that and maybe you get images of like him flashing and seeing some of his family members and he he goes and cuts the wire and it just shuts down all the exits to get out of the house like all of them seal up like basically sealing him inside the house yeah. to where he can't he can't get out anymore he's not going to be able to do it 
Um, and then cut to black alone at home. And then the movie ends. <laughs> I love that movie pitch. I, I for real, I think I'm going to sit in my, with my copy of Highland and just sketch out <laughs> this movie. <laughs> yep. Alone at home. That's, uh, that's, that's only at that level because I already had the, the pre-pitch with my wife. So I knew I knew the basic premise, like I knew the big points, yeah, yeah, yeah. and so then every I was running through the uh, the rooms, and I was like, oh, god, that would look really great in that room, and I would just like stick it right there. Um, so that's why I had so much fun with it, because I was just my neurons were were prepped for it. My brain knew that I was going to come back to this subject one day. Like, there's no way I was going to leave it alone. Well, so I have a question. Um, do uh-huh. they ever say what his dad does in the? movies oh kevin's dad yeah because like so i was Um, like i never thought about it but someone was pointing out to me like like someone i know who who like for a while lived in chicago and um you know she was saying like that house is like in the gold coast in chicago like that's a multi multi multi-million dollar house like and would have been in the 90s yeah and yeah he's got like, that really that really set up my expectations for like homes yeah way too high exactly it's like yeah. that's yeah and plus the dude has like six kids plus he like he's flying all of his family to this this um vacation like because he's the one footing the bill for it and also paying for the food and also letting them stay at his place um mm-hmm. and then in the second one he's flying them to Paris, like the same amount of family to Paris. Mm-hmm. Um, like I, I, I don't remember if they ever say what his dad does. Is he like a drug smuggler? Like why? <laughs> what? Yeah. What does he do that in Chicago he can afford all of that? Yeah, that's uh. So I, while you were talking about it, I was curious myself to see if there was anything that was kind of missed, but there's no implicit uh really implicit detail yeah other than he's like a businessman um and so fan fan theories kind of run the gamut yeah. but there was a novelization apparently that i'm not familiar with and the novelization had him as a day trader oh um, so he's one of those like yeah i guess that would make sense because chicago does have a stock exchange yeah so, so but uh, what's funny is that uh one of the popular reddit um, upvotes is that uh, based on real world canon and like dialogue and everything um, and location yeah. Peter McAllister was potentially a high level sales executive at Walgreens corporate headquarters in the 80s and 90s jeez okay <laughs> I mean I know that sales executives like it's not uncommon for them to have like that amount of right it, like because you know i, I mm-hmm. worked at at&t for several years and every now and then we would have an executive sales guy um mm. like not not the guy that would be like selling your like small business their their like internet advertising package the these were the guys that were like selling t1 lines and shit to be <laughs> to be mm-hmm. for like to like corporations and stuff and it's like oh yeah you guys are compensated real fucking well <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, I you can guys, see that you're, being, uh, you know, him being a salesman to Walgreens or something. Yeah. Yeah. 
the uh, compensation is like, oh, you just brought in like this multi-million dollar contract. Uh, your your little kickback five percentage is like huge. Yeah, and you have you're gonna get um, residuals off of like a cut of this yearly potentially as long as the policy's active. Well, yeah, and that's the and thing. Like the guy that. that signs them does get like. Like it's 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 a recurring payment. Like I don't know the schedule because I never worked in sales, but um, it's as as I understand it, yeah. Like it's it's a recurring thing for every time that person re-ups their contract. Like and that percentage mm-hmm. just goes up from there. Like it's not yeah. one of these things like a like a writing residual where after a certain amount of time you're collecting like checks for pennies, right? Mm-hmm. It like. The longer that person stays with the company, the more and more your residual is. So, um, yeah, I can totally see wow. that. Wow, um, uh, it's it's great that we have uh, the uh, the incentive triggers here in our never ending country. Growth. Really, uh, they're aligned really well, Line aren't they? Go up infinitely. Uh, there is never <laughs> drop, only up. <laughs> wow, it's like I'm I'm hearing the. There's like this whisper of a name in my in my ear, and it's just it's like Jack Welch. <laughs> Jack Welch. <laughs> I see you also listen to Behind the Bastards. <laughs> oh my God. Um, I just I learned about him deeply recently, and it's 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 uh it's like learning about a great a great evil that you just didn't yeah you didn't even know existed it's funny because that show goes into so many more people that are just these horrifying brutal dictators right and and mm-hmm. shit like that and no i'm not saying that those are easy to listen to either but the episodes where he goes into like american corporate businessmen and shit it's like Holy hell, how is this worse than, like, <laughs> like worse worse on the scope of amount of human life affected than, mm-hmm. like, you know, World War II Hungary, like some dictator out there, like Warlord that popped up there. Like, I, Jack Welch is a horrifying monster. The Stockton Rush guy is a horrifying monster. <laughs> like... Yeah. The the types of evils they're doing don't necessarily kill anyone on the surface, but like in practice, yes, they do. They they kill way more. Yeah, people. they're in, they're really insidious. Yeah, uh, it's like if it's um, it's like if you had a medical policy. Yeah, right. And instead of okay, we made a change to this policy to save lives. It was like no, we made a change to this policy. So it's just a policy, right? It's not a big deal. Yeah. Um, but tens of millions of more people die. Oh, yeah. Um, just, I mean, I didn't directly murder anybody, but, I mean, the coverage doesn't extend if these circumstances don't exist. Nope. And, you know, we're, we got to make sure we we're, are thinking and looking out for the shareholders, you know? Yeah. We got to, the shareholders, they're, we're ultimately accountable to them and no one else but the shareholders. And it's like, that structure of thinking is the result of decades of that is what we live in right now yeah um and so it's like wow this was a great evil that was just waiting 
Mm-hmm. To, and it's almost like waiting to take root again because after, you know, you had labor movements like get strength and, you know, after, uh, you know, union busting kind of quelled down and labor came back a little bit stronger, um, you know, there's the period after the war and you have a lot of, um, you know, increase in productivity yeah. and like people able to benefit from, you know, everything that's available to them at that time. And then it's like, oh, okay, no, no, no. The lamb is getting too fat. We're going to, we got to starve them again. Like, they're getting too comfortable. Well, and that's you know? the thing. Like, you know, my family that I have since, like, not interacted with, but, like, fell for the whole Trump, like, make America great again. And, like, like mm-hmm. you know, the, the country's not doing as well as it was when I was, like, 10 or whatever. It's like, mm-hmm. you realize that when you were 10, that was the strongest labor movement had been in the u.s right like Mm -hmm. in the past century um and then reagan came along and fucked it all up (laughs) like you can map on a line like on on a graph when reagan Mm -hmm. breaks the airstrike the uh, or air traffic controller strike air traffic controller strike and when the Mm -hmm. wealth disparity starts kicking off and the labor labor uh, or amount of americans in a labor union um drop off like it's it's Mm -hmm. shocking um and it's like yeah these people want their their childhoods again and it's like well you you can't have it because twice now you voted for people that only strengthen that (laughs) yeah yeah who um you know told you uh just a bag of malarkey Mm -hmm. just fed you a sack of shit and dressed it up in patriotism. Yeah. And um, then really was just trying to figure out, okay, how quickly can we fuck them over? Yeah. So let's oh, let's yeah. get it started. Oh, yeah. Uh, mm. So, uh, so anyway. uh, guys, we're rebranding as a political uh, <laughs> podcast. If you guys knew that, but surprise, uh, this um, is the announcement. Yeah, we can have that, that conversation offline as, as we have multiple times, I think. Um, yeah, to finish out my meanies, I've got like three three things left. So, um, we watched the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special finally. Um, eh, it's all right. I'm just uh, by the way, I'm I'm just playing along with Zach. He's he's the stupid liberal. I'm actually. Um, <laughs> you're you're the hard red, right white, <laughs> red, white, and blue man. Like uh, These you know, colors don't it's run. not. It's not gay, but I would let Ben Shapiro blow me. I wouldn't blow him, right? But it's not gay if he just his mouth <laughs> is open. He trips. If his mouth is open, he trips, and my penis just happens to be fully erect when his mouth falls. <laughs> right like, on the edge. That's not gay. That's just <laughs> that's just happenstance, right? Also, how dare you call me a liberal? <laughs> And then, see, that's the stuff these uh, these liberal communist Nazis like to say, you know, these liberal communist Nazis, um, <laughs> stupid communist Nazis. Jesus, terrible. I yeah, it's also hilarious when people use that as an insult, but for realsies, it's like I don't mm-hmm. think you, <laughs> I don't think you know what you're talking about, sir. Um, yeah. <laughs> So yeah, the uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special is, eh, in my opinion, it's kind of mid. 
Um, it's, 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 uh, it was really weird. It, it was really weird. I, I mean, I like it. Guardians of the Galaxy is probably my favorite offshoot in, in the Marvel Universe uh-huh. thus far. Um, yeah. The holiday special, though, it... I mean, I know it was following the conventions of being a holiday special. Like, I, I get what he was doing. I, I think mm-hmm. there's a reason that people don't do that anymore, though. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it was funny and all. I, I don't see myself rewatching it, though. Um, mm-hmm. Now, we did that in preparation for seeing Guardians of the Galaxy 3, which was uh-huh. fucking amazing. I'm assuming you guys have seen it, right? Uh, no, we haven't. No. We have, we have a small child. Uh, we don't do things. We don't do things, right, right. <laughs> we don't do things. What did we, we do do things, but we, it's, it's really when we get around to them. So Guardians came at a time where um, a couple of weeks we were trying to figure out gotcha. next steps and things that we wanted to do and potentially talking through some plans. Yeah. And we can we can talk about that off, off ship. We're uh, going to start a commune and uh, it's just going to be us and a bunch of goats, yeah. you know. <laughs> That's not what we're doing, but it sounds, you know, it sounds more interesting. But I'll give you the boring reason later. Um, so, uh, yeah, no, I, I will avoid spoilers then. Um, it's, mm-hmm. I will say it's it's very good. Um, I was mm-hmm. expecting one thing, and I was surprised, and I was uh, very, you know, very much loved this movie. Um, it's sad that, you know, this is James Gunn's last foray into Marvel with him being one of the co-leads at DC but hopefully this means DC will get you know exponentially better Um, and then the uh, the last thing I have a lot on that yeah yeah we'll get to that okay well yeah and and the uh, the last thing is I read through a comic Uh, it is Robert Kirkman's Rick Grimes 2000 Um, it was this kind of one-off that they then put out in hardcover Um, the supposition is what if aliens attacked during the events of walking dead <laughs> and it's it's the type wow. of goofy what if batshit thing that that i i love um because yeah like the cover is like gore covered rick grimes with a lightsaber and co- like dressed like a superhero like it's very strange because it looks like it's got a combination of invincible and the walking dead Mm-hmm. Um, plus huh. lightsabers. So when did that come out? Uh, I don't know off the top of my head. Let me see. Let me see. Rick Grimes, two thousand. Um. So, it's a sequel to the non-canon ending of uh, issue seventy-five of The Walking Dead. So it was published do, 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 do. Oh, so um 2021. Okay. And then they released the hardcover yeah. version in 2022, which is what I have. Yeah. Yeah, cuz he's he's done a lot between, you know, the start of Walking Dead 2 like 2021. Yeah. And uh so you, you have to think he's just um you know, feeling free and you know beautiful and under control you know and just ready to just let it out um and hang loose with uh, a concept like that yeah 
Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's, I always like when artists can go back and, like, honestly, that's, with, with him being a, um, consultant on the Walking Dead show, like, people complain about some of the, the twists and turns that that, that show took, which is understandable, um, you know, I'm not current on it by any means, but it's interesting, like, I've heard him talk about it and, or speak about it in interviews where, you know, he's using the opportunity now that the comic series has wrapped up or like he had a, a better idea of where it was going of stopping and looking mm-hmm. and going what would have happened if i did this instead <laughs> which yeah. you know comic fans do not like <laughs> what um that's silly but i think that's it's funny that's that what we that's that. what we trade in yeah like that's our bread and butter like thinking about fun hypotheticals or like oh that's wouldn't it be cool that's like that's just stational. That's like schoolyard playground. Yeah, I, I, what I think it's the what if a Superman punched Spider Man? I think you know? it's it comes from the the impulse of like the way that fandom is today, where people who were watching that show who are also huge comic fan, fans of the comic are like, but it didn't happen like this in the comics, and it's like, oh, well, God. it's it's a show based on that. It's not adapting the comics you know yeah like from its premise yeah, yeah it isn't that so it's like going into a taco place and being like man that was a fucking terrible burger and it's like it's not supposed to be a burger like you knew this coming yeah, in yeah you knew this coming like, in. this was the premise <laughs> like did you think this was going to be something that was canon when it explicitly said that it was not canon yeah now okay. that being said um if you ever want a, a, a little secret treat for yourself, go to a Mexican restaurant and order a hamburger because it's the same meat that they use for tacos, just in patty form. Fantastic. <laughs> just saying. And we're announcing our new food podcast today, folks. Not to undercut Look at Zach talking point. about his yum yams. He's got all the tales he could tell. Uh, it's, I've only it's done like, that uh, once because I saw it on the menu, and then sure enough, mm-hmm. like every time I, I went into a Mexican restaurant after that, like I would look, um, and it would be on the menu. I wouldn't order it, but it's like that is what they're doing. They're just using the taco meat and making burgers out of it. That is fantastic. It's delicious. As you were looking, as you were looking on the menu to see if the the restaurant had it, you were like. <sighs> <laughs> But, just getting really tweaked out yeah. hoping it was there well that, that'll do me for uh, BBBs this week yeah how about you amazing um, yeah I had a couple uh, thoughts um, none of them were coming to me currently um, well I saw um, I don't know if you because I don't know when they released it if it was like right after there's a documentary for um, the, uh, you know, what we're talking about now, the wolf at... Oh, Werewolf by Night? Uh, werewolf by Night. Like, there's a documentary that um, was made by the director's brother. Is it Galini? Gimicilli? I don't know. Giacchino? Giacchino. Yeah. Yeah, Giacchino. Yeah. Um, the documentary... But it's by his brother, who basically was just there during the whole production, huh. with like a little, uh, like a shoulder camera, yeah. you know, 
Um, it's more than like a hand camera. Ah. But um, and he's just like around, like looking, like interviewing people, asking questions, like making observations. And there's a mix of that combined with um, home movies that Giacchini made. Yeah. Like with all of his friends and showing like different narratives they did. And like they basically just made a bunch of small home movies and like thought up the concept and the pitches. And it's just really cute. And I almost think I like the documentary more than I like the special. Not because the special isn't great. Yeah, because the special is great. I I really, I I liked it even more on the second watch. But um, the other brother, he has, because you really, when you typically watch these behind the scenes shows, Mm -hmm. it's like very business-like. It's like, here's like the four creatives, the main ones. Here they're going to talk about things they did. They'll show you like some behind the scenes stuff. Um, for like, oh, we get to see them act out this scene. Here's like uh, an animatronic or here's like a green screen thing that ended up being in the show. Here's maybe some stuff that happened that caused some difficulty in the show, like the one with um, uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Like you kind of get a little bit of that because of the COVID. But this, because it's by really highly composited by his brother with that hand cam, it has a much more singular perspective. Like it's trying to tell a story about how Giutini's like childhood interests in wanting to do films and um, even, I think I'm trying to remember which movie they were talking about that kind of just like blew his brain. Um, But they talked about an experience he had where they went to Universal Studios I believe it was and they um, they had um, this thing where an audience member could participate to be in this like short like little scene that they had that had like some lines and then they'd uh, you'd be like one of the scenes you see him on is where he's uh, floating in space and so there's wires connected to the spacesuit but because how they film it it kind of looks a little bit less like you know the wires aren't super prominent but you're almost like getting to see yourself on film and that sort of like bit the bug for him to where he's like, oh man, I know exactly what I'm going to do. And he just started doing the home movie stuff and like, you know, hitting it really hard from there. Um, so it's, it's, it's more like a singular vision for telling the story about the director and also about, you know, young creative juices. And it does have a little bit of like corporate kind of feel, you know, here and there with the stuff that it's, you know, obviously based on the material, but it's much more personal a story I've seen than in any of the other documentaries that I watch, like after I finish a show. So I thought that was really nice, very refreshing. Well, cool. Yeah, now I'm gonna have to go watch it because I, like, I typically don't watch those when I see them, but that that sounds mm-hmm. really interesting, just to get an, an yeah. insider like, kind of a peek behind the curtain that, you know, you wouldn't normally get because like whenever I see those associated with especially the disney stuff i'm just like okay this is just going to be like corporate Mm -hmm. propaganda of like how they had every aspect under control at all times it's like i would rather read about all the wild shit going on behind the scenes yeah yeah this is more like it's like really intimate and it's it's like about the show but it's also about chini uh it's less sanitized it sounds like yeah it feels more organic and it's 
I, I was honestly, because that's the way I think, like I was trying to think about the corporate perspective for this, right? Yeah. Because I'm like, well, who who okayed this? Like who thought this was like, okay, since it kind of falls outside of the norm. And then obviously the director potentially, you know, had something in it like, hey, my brother wants to do this. He records everything. Yeah. Hey, he has this concept where basically he's making like uh his own uh, home movie about me yeah. where I used to make home, you know, home movies, but it's like, it's more upskilled now. Cause it's a documentary about an actual like movie at not real movie length that I got to make, you know? And so, um, I'm like, well, how does that else? Does that make sense? And it's like, well, if they want to position him as like one of their bigger directors later, cause they got a good vibe from him yeah. and, you know, they want him to do something else later that's maybe a little bit higher marquee. There's a little bit of buy-in to like, oh, he never, he hasn't directed a movie before ever. But then we can look at Werewolf by Night and be like, oh, yeah, but he directed this, yeah. right? Yeah. And this was, this was good. Like, it was focused. You know, it, it it's clear he has an ability to do the job. It isn't just like randomly, you know, yeah. sort of spawned. Um, but the way they put it in the... Not to, to ruin it, but you don't really you don't really care about spoilers. No, um, <laughs> the uh, let me make sure my watch isn't on. Uh, the um, the reason they state that oh why they're doing Werewolf by Night is um, that uh, you know Ducini was told like hey we have a bunch of projects you know I think he was he said he was talking to Kevin Feige and he's like we have a bunch of projects like that are possible you know bunch of slots and he's like well what do you want to do and so Jutini says that he always has liked the offbeat characters and then on top of that um one of his first comics that he had as a kid was werewolf a werewolf by night comic and so he told kevin Feige that and kevin was like uh oh, okay i guess well yeah okay weird you know weird pick um which feels to me it's a great story right yeah but it also seems like that seems a little bit loose for like the really strong I'm going to push universe. back and say that's not how it went based on what I was able to find. <laughs> but it's yeah, a nice yeah. thought. <laughs> it, is, it is a really nice story. Yeah. And, and uh, as a storyteller, you know, I can uh, occasionally, just my own stories I tell uh, to people, um, I can respect that, you know. That uh, sometimes you just, you go with a good story. Yeah, exactly. You know, rather like than it's not a hundred percent the truth. Yeah, because I mean yeah. he's not like putting it down for the factual record or whatever. It's like it's some bullshit interview he's he's <laughs> giving, right? You, you yeah. go with a good story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, documentary was fun, and I was talking with my wife because, uh, and you only brought this up talking about. Um, uh, James Gunn is um, kind of the the character differences between um, DC and Marvel uh, sort of properties as they're portrayed on their you know cinematic universes. Um, that's I was looking at man was it Man Thing yeah Man Things in mm-hmm. this yeah you know it's called called Fred you know his actual name. Yeah. Man things in here, giant and I was like, you know what? <laughs> yeah, giant size man thing. Um, 
his beautiful glowing hands hold me in your arms just hold me <laughs> hold me man thing is you incinerate my soul um isn't it something like only if he touches someone who isn't like innocent yeah like if they're evil yeah if they're evil, yeah, they, yeah 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 it's like a judgment touch yeah okay um that's what i i was remembering from the comics i think um so i was thinking about man thing and i was like oh this is really cool and i like that they they stuck a little bit to the schlocky horror stuff, but like with intensity, you know, like actual like intensity in some in some of the violence that they decided to portray. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then there's like a little bit of humor on top, but it's not totally soft with humor, which is something they mentioned in the documentary. They're like, we wanted to have dread, like real dread, and also have some humor, yeah. but let the humor not totally uh, sideline it, you know, from that kind of kind of horror impact feel yeah. uh and i think that that that's evident um in the uh, project we got but anyways I, I was watching man thing i was like i was told my wife you know i paused it for a second i was like so you know man thing right um so man thing is a better name not not that these characters are 100 percent equivocal but man thing is a better name than swamp thing uh, but I would argue that Swamp Thing is a is a more is a wider character, right? Yeah. And then I started I started thinking about this because it's something that uh, having to experience the DCEU for if you love the Snyderverse, great, good for you, awesome, fantastic. Um, but for me, the the really great cool aspects about some of the great cool aspects about the DC universe at least for some of its its central kind of big pillars like its big heavy names is the um, the fact that even like a character like Swamp Thing um, starts off as you know this dude who gets in this accident has this chemical you know these flames and then puts himself you know he gets put out in the in the water um and then he, you know, sort of merges with the swamp, you know, ostensibly, hence the swamp thing. But he not only has like swamp thing abilities once he gets taken up as a character and you have writers kind of moving with this, right. but he ends up having like mythological connection with like the planet Earth and oh, like yeah, plant he's an life. Earth elemental. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he's like a spiritual being. He's like a, he's like a mythic creature, you know? Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of a lot of that. Whereas, you know, as a character, um, you know, one of my favorite Marvel characters, Wolverine, is is very cool. Like he's he's very cool. You know, he's kind of a badass. He's got an attitude. Um, and there's specific versions that you could say have some of those elements. But I'm just talking about main mainline mainstream. Um, you know, Wolverine. You know, the one that gets marketed the most. Yeah. Um, he's not a mythological creature, you know? He's not this thing that has, like, this connection to the universe in that way. You know, he may be very smart, he may be very strong, but some of his power doesn't get derived from, uh, you know, Swamp Thing's power doesn't get derived from, like, a power scale thing. It's almost like how how does the writer want to approach his powers? Not to say that doesn't happen in Marvel, because it does. But how does the writer want to approach his power? What does he want to do with the mythology? How does he want to shape the power dynamics 
to bring up a central tension between Swamp Thing and some other character to kind of create like some sort of, um, you know, thematic conflict where the conflict is really in the theme. You know, it's not so much in the characters. The characters are just sort of embodying that theme. Right. Um, and so that sort of mythic element that you see in some that it's like completely 100% obvious, you know, like Wonder Woman, you know. Um, and then, but even like a new myth, like a created myth, like Superman, you know, being this paragon of like virtue and uh, ethics and just like this idealized form, you know, not that he always has to be 100% that and there's different flavors, but I'm talking about the most popular, the salient feature of the character. That if you get too far away from that, you don't really have Superman anymore, right? right? And that's like a paragon, a virtue, and it's um, that's sort of what draws you to the character. Wrestling with that theme, seeing that theme challenged, um, and that just has been really, really sort of missing from the DCEU in, in, in a lot of ways because people that don't really maybe understand the draw of the character but just know, hey, we own these characters. Let's use them. Yeah. You know, and just grab on the suit or they grab on to uh, let's make sure his muscles are big mm-hmm. <laughs> and they grab on to let's pick someone who was successful and who seems to know how to be successful with this because that's what we're concerned about. Yeah. We're concerned about concess, you know, success. We don't care about the integrity of the character or what even motivates them or what's cool about them. Just success. Whatever can get us that. Oh, Superman is going to uh, annually fist Darkseid in this movie? Dude, how, did the, how does that test with the fans? It tests great. Put it on the screen, right? <laughs> you know, it's like, that's what I, it feels like as like a, a fan of some DC characters. Because yeah. you get these, you get their caricatures on screen. And then it's like, you see people like, oh, Superman's kind of boring. Um, and it's like, yeah, he can be. Um, but his stories can also be kind of cool. Um, and to see what kind of problems, uh, you know, someone who is supposed to be this way, who's supposed to be set up this way, like how, what are some of the dynamics? What's some of the conflict there? Yeah. Um, and some cool stories. So that's just to say that I'm hoping Gunn can bring some of that because he at least understands what's good character relationships, you know? Um and he, he gets he definitely gets the quirky characters. Like he loves the quirky characters, and we've seen that. We've seen him love the misfits. Yeah. Right. Um, we've seen him love ev- all of God's misfits within you know uh, DC and Marvel. Like you know the um, you know Spotman. I forget what his name is. Um, oh, Polka Dot, Polka Dot, Dot Man. Man. Yeah, Polka Dot Man. Yeah. Um, seeing him give that character some depth some dimensionality, mm-hmm. some interest. Now we're going to get to see, okay, what does he do with one of the bigger characters? You and know? that's been He's my... He's going to treat him that same way. Yeah, that that has been my... Like, because I dearly love the things that James Gunn does. I I think that his movies, he, he puts a lot of time into making sure they actually work while also being cool, right? Mm-hmm. Um and he definitely gets the weirdos like you said but like superman and batman aren't the weirdos 
You know, I mean, they, they're definitely weird characters. Don't get me wrong. Like, like they can be. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm I'm curious to see what he does with a Superman because he we've only seen mm-hmm. him do quirky, weird, like even even in the DC universe, the the Suicide Squad is like it's still a quirky movie. That and Peacemaker are both really weird fucking pieces of property. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. But like you said, like Superman is not like I, I don't know what his version of that looks like. So I'm I'm curious mm-hmm. to see it, um, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's almost like you you have to feel because I've seen some of his other stuff and there's you know there's can often I haven't seen something of his that doesn't have um, uh, I forget what that uh, that word is but sort of uh, like a self awareness that it is like its thing yeah you know it is a specific style of thing but it knows that so it's gonna sort of play with that um sort of uh the tropes that are there um and by playing with those tropes you sort of make them more interesting yeah i mean he definitely deals with irony um and Mm -hmm. and the meta nature of some of these characters in a very unique way I just Wesley, come here. I don't know if uh, you know Superman lends himself to irony and um, you know meta mm-hmm. <laughs> meta humor. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but if if you want if you want to do that, you do it well. Uh, the audience will be there for it. But yeah. I don't know. I don't know if that will fulfill you know kind of what my. Uh, my hope is, you know. Yeah, exactly. So, so we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, I'm excited to see um, what the Superman movie turns into. Yeah. Um, I don't know what the uh, a troll for that would be if we're all expecting one thing and he delivers something else. Um, <laughs> trying to think what would be a trolley response but nothing nothing comes to mind that yeah it's funny enough um yeah so yeah what were we what else was i consuming um in particular my wife and i have been playing um quite a bit of mario kart which is uh, really great um you can actually, with the uh, latest one, you can set it so that only certain items appear oh. within the tracks. So, like, if you hate the the blue shell, you can just ban that, that bitch. Huh. And you don't have to deal with blue shells ever again. Uh, which is really great. It's awesome. Oh, that's so fun. Um, blue shells are hilarious. <laughs> no, they suck. You know what? why blue shells suck? Blue shells suck because... If you're just good enough to be much, much better than the AI, it's the only equalizer they have against you. Because I just stay in first place. <laughs> like, when I'm, when I'm battling AI, now if I'm actually fighting, you know, actually racing against real people, there's people who are super much more committed to Mario Kart than I am, yeah. you know? I have very rudimentary skills, uh, but they're enough to uh, be, beat the AI. Um, but actual people... Um, my wife and I did a couple uh, sessions of those uh, 
I think a night or two ago, and we were just straight in like ninth, tenth place. I forgot there was an eleventh place. To tell you the truth, <laughs> I I didn't remember that you could be in eleventh place. <laughs> And uh, that's because I got an 11th place. Oh, um, no. I think there's was, 12. It, Aren't there 12 racers on the, the screen? Or in, in each I don't race? know. As, as someone who just lives... Um, <laughs> that, that first place against AI life? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> well, you were better than yeah. last place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wasn't in last place. I don't know. I th- I think the game must have just aired out and like the last place person was deleted because I felt like I was in last place. Ah, it felt gotcha. real last place. <laughs> yep. I haven't uh, felt that demoralized since I, I don't know, um, didn't uh, graduate college and then had a year of it under my belt and had to enter the working world. And I was like, wow, what am, what am I gonna do? Um, I don't even have a degree. Um, that's what 11th place feels like. When you're used to staying in first place. Yeah. <laughs> obviously I'm being, yeah. being facetious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one of them is real life horror, the other one is like, oh shucks. <laughs> One of them is like, oh, man, this capitalist meat grinder is looking for new meat today, baby. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if I don't do something, I will die on the street. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that so funny? I don't know. I think it's just it's the gallows humor of life in America. Um, yeah, it's like knowing that if, if you and I... If something really, really fails for us, we're just we're just fucked. Yeah, you know. Um, and uh, yeah, that's. that's I mean, that's, that's, so guys, that's we're we we're a, 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 a commune. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're we're announcing our new nihilism podcast today, yeah. guys. Uh, nihilism. Yeah, I mean, whatever. I mean, I don't care. Doom and gloom for boom booms. Yeah, nihilism, I guess, you know, doesn't matter anyways. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On a long enough uh, timeline. <laughs> yeah, here we go. New podcast name, guys, Two Jerks Entertain Themselves. That's what we're doing. Um, <laughs> While they head towards oblivion, yep. <laughs> two Jerks Entertaining Themselves. Um... Yeah. yeah, the jerk, the jerk circ. Yeah, call it. We could call it jerk circuit. Jerk right? circuit. Jerk <laughs> circuit. And the the animation um, is uh, of like if we had like an animated gif that began beginning of our podcast yeah. would be just two like entwined sausages, like sausages <laughs> that just got wrapped around each yeah, other. Yeah. Like that are like suturing, and then they're just tugging at each other and like flopping on one side or the other, and they just do that for a couple seconds, and it's just called jerk circuit. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, perfect. And the it always fades out to like us 
standing and like right over our crotch even though once you actually transition into the show we're all sitting behind a desk yeah so there's like no reason to have that shot um and it always like is really disjointing disorienting for the viewer um yeah head cannon today folks um yeah so what else what else talking about yeah so that came that obviously flew right from a mario kart conversation um (laughs) The game is so fun. They have a new set of tracks releasing. They have these waves. The oh, next they're one's updating like it in four more? days. Finally. Yeah, yeah. So what they what they did is if um if you're a Nintendo Switch online member, yeah. you get the DLC for free. Oh. Um along with Nintendo Switch stuff. It's really like the only other big perk other than like their uh being able to do online play and then getting to play some other like virtual emulated games that they offer mm-hmm. that's the only other big perk is like this dlc is free but i don't even think it's that expensive but it it includes um because each each wave is um i think eight courses so we're coming on wave five and so there's wave six so i think that's like 48 new courses in total Jeez. um so some of them are straight from like the DS or the Game Boy Advance, um, or they're from other Mario Kart games from like the N sixty four, stuff like that, and um, or the SNES. Um, the SNES tracks are always kind of funny because they're really like distilled from SNES, so the tracks pretty much the same. And wait, are they still flat? Like, they're flat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Some some of them are especially flat. Them at all? They just no, no, they flat. they're upres. Like they're basically an artist's interpretation mm. of that style. So it's brought into the Mario Kart Eight universe, but it has stylistic features from there. Gotcha. So things will be like, you know, if they were shiny there or like a solid color, they'll be like still like strongly like a solid color. Yeah. Um, if it's from like the GameCube, which had like more realistic textures, then they'll try to go for like a more realistic bent, mm. um, and so they kind of try to follow the the design schematic of or the design principles of wherever they're taking it from. Um, so it is really cool. And what you can also do with the versus race. Uh, sorry, guys, talking about a game that's like eight years old, or at least that something by now. Um, is you can pick which courses you want to actually race against. You don't have to pick like a whole like in the can circuit, but you can still make it a circuit. So you can still make it like a class of six races where you're competing. Um, and so my wife and I are always on the same team because you know that's how we are in real life. But we could be <laughs> on opposite teams. But uh, I don't. And we're not just there to like you know beat one another up in um, in the game. Um, though we all know who would be the real winner. Um, <laughs> basically, you know, my wife after she's like really upset. Um, so, yeah, it's great. And so we've just been doing that for a couple nights this week. Uh, yeah, I think that's enough. Enough thoughts for me on stuff and things. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, it sounds like you had a pretty productive couple of weeks thing because we haven't recorded in a couple weeks either so or i'm just i'm just high on a couple really interesting things that just like (laughs) 
because a couple things here, you know, have really hit different synapses. The Legion, we were talking about that earlier, yeah. uh, which we won't we won't get onto here. We'll we'll try to save that um, for save our load for each other later. Yeah. Um. So, uh, and then this thing, and then seeing that documentary of this last night was a nice surprise after watching it. Um, and I was like, oh, you know, just kind of getting a diet where you've had some things that have pleased you sort of consistently especially when you've been surrounded by you know maybe different life things or whatever that have been kind of energy draining and sort of exhausting is like ah oh i can feel refreshed you know i just have to eat eat good you know eat some good food yeah well cool well yeah so um i guess uh going into our uh main topic then is werewolf by night um, it's so this was a Halloween special <laughs> um, mm-hmm. and it I mean it aired October 7th of uh, 2012 or 2022 um, yeah 2012 you're trying to yeah, de-COVID well, well, get this shit because like, like you, you were talking about the backstory of this is um, um, so you know this is fairly well liked. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes has it at ninety one. Metacritic has it at sixty nine, which I, I feel is kind of low, but nice, you know. <laughs> but yes, <laughs> nice. Someone obviously was about to submit their review, positive or negative, and they're like, "I'm not touching yeah, this number. I'm not this it. is this is perfect, man. <laughs> perfect, buenísimo." <laughs> um, but yeah, so you said that that this has been in store for a while, um, or. Fe- not as old as you you would think it would be but it's um mm-hmm. so originally planned for may of 2001 this is well, no bef- may of 2001 yes, may of 2001 um shut up this is the, <laughs> this is something that was going shut to tie up. in blade sorry the blade movie wow um so that's crazy. Direct, the the director, like you said, Michael Giacchino, um, he he's this is his first movie, uh, which I mean it's technically a short because it's only like fifty minutes or so, um, mm-hmm. but he's I mean he's a he's a well established uh, uh, person who who scores movies, um, like he's he's mm-hmm. done several Marvel movies, uh, but he has an Oscar for Up an Emmy for Lost, and then three Grammys for Up and Ratatouille. So, like, no. he's, he's established in his field. He's just never directed a movie before. Um, mm-hmm. it, it was written by Heather Quinn, who worked on Hawkeye, and uh, Peter Cameron, who worked on both WandaVision and Moon Knight. Um, it's interesting how Disney just kind of recycles the same writers, which... I don't know if I'm here or there on it, you know. <laughs> um, but uh, Foggy says that the the uh, special would introduce a part of the MCU that would become quite important to its future. Hmm. Which I I don't think that it is, but we'll see. Um, they uh, they used a lot of sets and practical effects uh, where pro- possible. Um, I saw a lot I remember when this came out I saw a lot of people complaining um, about how it was being pitched as an old universal horror movie and 
people watching it and then going, oh, well, they just shot it in black and white on a practical set. And it's like, yeah, I mean, that's that's an old Universal Horror movie. I, I don't know what you're expecting. One. Yeah. Um, it's, like, that's that's the essence. Like, it's, it's, it's not going to transport itself from that no. time period, but it's going to capture it's, sort of what they were doing there. Yeah. And, and, and watching watching the, the, the special, the documentary, I didn't realize how much was like a practical environment or like a soundstage yeah i was like wow this is just like classic you know studio uh filming which which makes sense i mean if this is your first film they're not going to give him this gigantic effects budget right so like Mm -hmm. he's gonna have to do everything in camera um or as much as Mm -hmm. he can in camera um obviously like Mm -hmm. man thing is is heavily cg um but like even the like I got Rob Zombie vibes from when when they first introduce all of the uh, the monster hunters, and they're like mm-hmm. giving them the the thing that the, the thing in the um, the coffin that's acts, acts like the crypt keeper, like mm-hmm. to me that struck me as something that that you would see in a um, uh, like a like a Rob Zombie like jokey horror movie. Um, yeah. And they, they do lean into the horror in this. Like, I, I was impressed that it was as gory and as, as kind of creepy as it was. Um, I, I don't feel like they shied away from a lot of stuff. Yeah, like the uh, that character that looks kind of like Bowie in space. Um, <laughs> is, uh, like, gets that... Um, was it axe right through the... Axe or like a blade, like right, right. through the forehead. Yeah. And, like, you see the embedded there, and you see a little bit of blood. I mean, it's not like Tarantino squirting everywhere no, or anything. No. But it it has more uh, hair on it than you'd expect for, uh, you know, something Disney-fied and yeah. supposed to be, like, a special. Yeah, well, and, and um, you know, like, the, the people that, that were frustrated about it not being an old Universal movie, like... To me, it's it's like the people that that tried to make the complaint or tried to make the argument that um, WandaVision shot on like vintage cameras and things like that, and it's like no, they didn't. No, no, they. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. You're wanting this to be one thing in your head, and it, it there is no way it can be that thing. <laughs> but you've just warped yeah. reality around yourself, and suddenly it is. Um, yeah. Yeah. So they uh, they they found the script in a in a box, you know, that was from the the 30s when someone was thinking about all these things that could happen, and then yeah, wow, look, everything happened, and this this movie fits in universe. Isn't that magical? Yeah. No. Like like I said, the uh, the originally it was supposed to be out in May of 2001, and Dimension was going to put it out, like as a as like a mm-hmm. um, like a slasher movie. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, they they kind of brought it back in '04, um, like it, it was mm-hmm. it was pitched in '04 uh, at American Film Market. Um, they some someone bought it. I think Crystal Sky bought it. Uh, let me see. Yeah, Crystal. So Crystal Sky is um, uh, w- was going to to put it out uh, in. 2006 the rights reverted and then the very next mention of it is in 2019 when Kevin Smith um, was going to, to do it 
while Kevin Smith was going to do it. Yeah. Oh, wait, no. I'm sorry. I misread that. So, so Kevin Smith was doing an animated Howard the Duck series, um, uh. and he was not allowed to use the character because they were planning a movie as of 2019. Um, uh-huh. So, so like, yeah, it goes from reverting to back to Marvel in 06 to then being brought up again in 2019. Um, hmm. So, yeah, like, this whole, like, yeah, we found this script in a box. Like, that that's a whole line of bullshit. <laughs> it's a good story, though. <laughs> yeah. Um, I can awesome. see why someone would tell that in a in a documentary, for sure. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah, no, like, it's, it's interesting that it brings the Bloodstones into this, because I don't see with what they have announced so far, like... Blade is the only movie that it fits into. Maybe, maybe the stuff with Darkhold with Agna, Agatha. Um. Yeah, it is. It it's really an interesting situation right now to be uh, a Marvel fan, and I don't mean one of them that gets their um, makes their livelihood off of bitching about Marvel and how it's taking away our morals and. Too uh, well. It's it's too it's too woke gonna go broke, um, you know. Just whatever shit you want to get pissed about, yeah. really really angry about. Like it's actually something that is a really affecting your life, um, and it's so. As just a regular Marvel fan, I still have a lot of questions about where are they where are they going? Kind of like what's. What what are we leading up to? Because it it's not clear to me, even as like a fan. Um, with Doctor Strange, um, Multiverse of Madness, where he meets um, again, what's what's her name? I can't remember her name. Um, but he meets uh, her up again. His magical counterpart, you know, Dormammu relationship. Um, like, okay, is is Dormammu coming back as a big bad? Um, is that how does that fit with? what we're doing over here or is it like how he says you know necessarily like all the storylines aren't really going to connect to each other anymore and it's like well that's good and i can see you wanting to step away from that yeah but you really have to ask yourself is there enough narrative tissue there to really give you enough like Doctor Strange if we're not following his development across where he can appear in other films and like have like a relationship and you can sort of see his character and sort of contrast it or at least have like a reference and then oh okay here's something cool we're going to do with the character in this kind of team up thing then it's okay we're going to get like an appearance every three four years Um, and who knows where they're going to be with a Doctor Strange 3, um, like, what's even going to happen by then? So it's like, how am I supposed to be excited if I, if I don't even know what you're doing here is really going to pay off there in 3 because I don't know when you guys are coming back, really, um, at least yeah. from, like, a communication perspective. So it's... Um, it's weird just thinking about that because I was I was talking with my wife. I was like, I mean, are they gonna do like Midnight Suns? Like, is that what they're trying to do? Um, they don't really have Morbius, and God, I don't know if I want that Morbius 
So I guess we're gonna have Blade, which I mean, yeah, that makes sense. We don't, we, do we really need two vampires? Especially if, if one of them is really lame um, and just like really intense for reasons that don't quite make sense. Yeah. Um, and isn't intense in an interesting way, just kind of like intense, like that guy who took too much like ketamine at like a college party and he's trying not to let you know that he's like out of it, but you can tell he's out of it, but he's just being really weird about it. Yeah. Um, that's how Morbius comes across. Um, so it's like, okay, well, what are they going to do? Or is, is he going to, is this, this werewolf guy, werewolf by night, is he going to show up in Blade? Is that going to be a thing? Didn't Blade just have interaction with uh, Jon Snow, you know, not too long ago? Like, is he going to mix up in that? I, you know, so it's <laughs> I, it's so crazy. You know, it's kind of a fan to not really know what's going on. Like, I'm like, oh, well, one, I don't even see Blade on the production schedule under the cinematic universe. Mm-hmm. Um, I know no. that they had some serious problems with that movie. Like, apparently they've they've finished shooting twice now because they had to go back and do reshoots because the first version did not turn out very well. So, mm-hmm. uh, I, I don't know what that means for the future of mm-hmm. Blade, at least. Um, I would be fine mm-hmm. if they didn't have... Like, we have those movies already. Let's Let's... Let's focus on tightening up what <laughs> what they have because like I'm I'm looking at the the list of Marvel Cinematic Universe right now, um, mm-hmm. and I'm looking at Phase Five because we are currently in Phase Five. So we have Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantumania, which I still haven't mm-hmm. haven't seen. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy, which is fantastic. Marvels, which I'll probably wait for that to come to streaming, right? Uh, Deadpool mm-hmm. 3 I'll probably go see it yeah. um, and then Captain America I'll probably go see it um, mm-hmm. yeah for let's see so TV they have Secret Invasion which I have yet to watch because they haven't wrapped it up I'll definitely watch Loki I don't know why they're mm-hmm. doing an Echo show I don't know why the mm-hmm. fuck like who is going to watch that um Mm-hmm. I liked the Hawkeye show. I don't know if I'm going to sit for eight episodes of Echo, though. Um, yeah, and they, you know, uh, my wife was telling me that they're going to release it all at once. Oh, are they? So she's good. like, for her, that was like a signal, just like with you. It's like, oh, that must mean they don't really have the confidence that it can sustain I mean, week over week. I like, I like it. I like being able to sit. That's part of why I haven't seen Secret Invasion to be fair, is that mm-hmm. I like binging and watching it all at once and not being impeded by, well, yeah, I have to and wait it's, till it's, it's the only place where you, you like that kind of behavior, I would say. Um, yeah. For sure. <laughs> um, but with, I've sat next to this man and eaten as much as he has eaten, but uh, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's beautiful thing. <laughs> beautiful thing. But but yeah, like when Disney when when they break from the the uh, the other patterns they've done, that doesn't speak well for where it's going. Um, yeah. Because yeah, exactly. if they're dropping it all at once, that's going to be interesting. I don't know who's down for Ironheart. Ironheart is such a drastic shift from like Ironheart. The character in the comic is cool, right? 
from Wakanda forever? Fuck that. Like, why would I want to sit and watch that character over eight episodes? Um, <laughs> like, she's yep. just a very yep. abrasive person. And I'm sure, like, yes, obviously there's there's a reason for that, but I don't know. I, I don't like what they've done with that character, and I don't think I like that actress's choices in playing up that which really that that's that's a, a, a criticism of the writer and the director um yeah but but yeah no i i don't know who's gonna watch the iron heart show agatha coven of chaos i might watch daredevil i might watch mm-hmm. um and yeah phase six what do we have in phase six yeah the only thing they have listed in phase six is avengers the kang dynasty avengers secret wars fantastic four mm-hmm. that's it um so yeah i, I yeah, don't know i feel like there's so many questions with me as a fan like so we've we've seen a little bit of appearance of daredevil which is cool and i liked seeing that in the spider-man movie yeah you know that was nice um but i kind of want to see more luke cage um yeah give and us there's more just, luke cage <laughs> there's crickets on that i mean there's there's two Jones. yeah there's two really great seasons of luke cage and there's kind of a i think uh, i'm trying to remember if it's if there's three seasons or four seasons in total. Um, but I think there's two storylines that I really like uh, that are great. And then we start getting onto this one storyline and there's an interesting choice and they even talked about it, the director was talking about it too, where the main bad, who you think is set up to be the main bad, like he ends up getting killed like shortly into the season. Mm-hmm. And then the main bad becomes uh, this other lady character, who's actually is a really great actress, and I'm there for it. Like her is like the main villain. I just kind of wish that we had the whole arc before of this other big bad that we has a great actor, you know, um, great presence, and so I want to I wanted to see that, you know, I wanted to see that whole thing play out because that seemed to me, you know, interesting. Um, and it's one of those things where, like, subverting expectations, sometimes it's like, that can be great, but if you're showing me, like, a really good cookie, and, like, you dangle the cookie for me, and then you take the cookie away, and you tell me I can't get the cookie anymore, I'm, I'm a little bit upset, you know, because yeah. I wanted that cookie. You made, you made me want that cookie. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'd love some more, uh, you know, Luke Cage. Um, that first season, I think, was great, and there's even some other... Like, one of my favorite Marvel characters of the past couple of years that sticks with me is Shades. Like, yeah, I love Shades. And I love that actor's portrayal of Shades. And I love, like, the... Um, again, I, I had a roommate who complained about, um, you know, uh, having to watch uh, Brokeback Mountain. And he was uh, talking about watching it. And the fact that, you know, he's, as a, as a gay man, had to deal with people in relationships where that other person was a closeted, you know, gay person, a gay male. Yeah. Um, and so it was too like, like, ah, oh, another one of these again, you know, the trope of 
you know, all the, yeah, you know, any kind of queer, or, yeah. queer, any non-binary character stories have to be tragic stories, yeah. you know. Um, there can't be like a spectrum. It's always got to be the big sad story. Um, and so I get that. But the the romance between like Shade and I forget what the, the guy that was his friend that apparently occurred in jail, like you could feel that that, er- that actor was really playing that part and like was really playing that tension. And I was like, I'm here for this tension. And like when he ends up, you know, spoilers, uh, you know, killing him, like, oh, my heart, my heart's broken. Man, that just was terrible. Yeah. And it's just like a side thing in the show. But the character, like their performance, they're setting up for it. Um, for me, just kind of really delivered and was like just just another part of the good experience of, of watching the show. And so you, I, you just don't know if there's room for, you know, that kind of story uh, within within the MCU. And if there's room for, um, you know, the kind of Daredevil stories we were getting because... And I say that too after having seen him, you know, sort of appear in the uh, the She-Hulk show. Like one of the things they do is differentiate him by his color. Like they they give him a different color, oh, they right? Give him the so he has a different suit. suit. Yeah, he's got a, He's got a different suit. So it's almost like visually they're trying to communicate, like, hey guys, we know you like this guy from this other place. He's not gonna really be just like that guy, and we're gonna communicate that to you by refreshing the suit letting you know that it's going to seem like we're going to pretend this is totally normal it's not like a super out of the wall thing for him we're not going to bring a lot of attention we're just going to set the table like i did with the home alone uh sequel um of setting your expectations to what this is going to be um and so it's like well i kind of i was there for the foggy you guys had and i was there for the uh the daredevil you had I didn't really like what you guys did with ninjas. You kind of focused on them a little bit too long. But um, yeah. for, the, for the other stuff, I was really cool. You know, I thought that was, uh, I thought that was nice. Um, well, I'm looking, and Daredevil Born Again is, uh, rather than being six episodes, it is going to be a full 18. Wow. Yeah. Oh, and they're going to do Born Again, huh? Yeah, that's I mean, that's the subtitle of it. But yeah, I, that, that's, that's smart for them to go with that storyline. Yeah, that's smart. Yeah. Um, I mean, because, like, uh, otherwise, if you're not going to do, <laughs> I'd say this being really glib, if you're not going to do Daredevil and give him some edge, um, then, I mean, you just have a less interesting Spider-Man who can't see things, you know? So... Yeah. Now, unfortunately... <laughs> It is. It's not going to be TVMA like the next the Netflix one. They're they're going to way mm-hmm. tone down tone down the violence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Huh. Which speaking of and, and back to Werewolf by Night. <laughs> night is, what? No. This was this the uh, director was surprised that this got TV fourteen um, when they did the resubmit for the the in color version. It did get TVMA so. Part of that is is the black and white obscuring a lot of the on screen violence, I think, which is really interesting. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I'm like like you were saying. I I don't know where this fits into the future. Like I don't see Man Thing popping up 
in anything else other than Agatha Coven of Chaos. And it's like, so mm-hmm. what, you're you're spending this time telegraphing something in phase five? Mm-hmm. It's kind of like an offshoot. Yeah. Oh, and I do see Blade and uh, the Thunderbolts. They're, they were just in, um, it's because they were in pre-production. They were not in the production schedule. Um, uh, okay. But yeah, so so Blade is still in phase five. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, Blade, Agatha, Coven of Chaos. Those those are the two things. I I don't see this horror vein that's that's supposed to be coming up in the future. But you know, fuck me, I've been wrong before. Maybe Deadpool three is just going to be like nonstop horror, like Texas Chainsaw bullshit. Yeah, I mean he has the the quiet room, so yeah. You, uh, and, that's that's a scary ass room. And I mean, um, Feige has said that Deadpool th- has confirmed that it will be R rated. It, it will be their yeah. first foray into the to an R rated film. So, I don't know how long we're gonna spend there. I really, I I do want to see the whatever the original treatment was, in in my alternate universe, um, Deadpool two didn't really go soft like it was gonna go the direction the original director was it miller yeah tim miller Miller wanted to go with it to like go a little bit darker um because that is a part of the character Mm -hmm. and then i think reynolds with the weight that he had after the success was like no i want to i want to keep it light and silly you know (laughs) i want to make it kind of fun that's what we do with the character and it's like yeah that's great do you forget the first part of the movie where we saw a man be broken down? Yeah. Like, to his very, like, last fiber? And then have to watch his friend, like, basically die in flames? Um, and then he has to sort of literally rise from the ashes? And then there's humor there? Like, you, you have the buy-in because you just took me on this ride. Like, I didn't know if you were going to do the an, an origin of the name, you know, uh, or if you were going to do the fact that, you know, Deadpool really cracked his egg, and that's kind of why he is sort of the way he is, and he keeps, you know, people at a distance with his humor, you know. It's part of his, his method to combat, you know, much like Spider-Man, uh, which is to say that, it's always hilarious when the two of them team up and Deadpool's just kind of irritating the shit out of Spider-Man. Because yeah. it's like, okay, that's the only person who could irritate the shit out of Spider-Man. Everybody else, Spider-Man can get on their nerves because he's the young the young jerk. But Deadpool, he's just in, infantile and is just willing to murder people right in front of me and he knows it's not my bag, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and he also... Uh, espouses some kind of attraction that he doesn't really keep secret <laughs> for me from me. Yeah. Um, so that's really funny uh, about the dynamic. So you can have all that light and fluffy, but the stuff that really stuck with me and what resonated with me about the character was that he was a really damaged hurt character. He really went through it. Um, and he knew other people that went through it. And... Uh, he just didn't care. You know, he just kind of took people as, you know, sort of what they were. Still valued people, had weird relationships, like his relationship with Bullseye. 
that they touched on in the comics that was really fun um and so some more serious stuff and like blind out you know actually being like a prisoner you know she's a she's a job that went wrong because he was supposed to kill her and he didn't yeah and now she just she has to stay there like he doesn't let her really leave and if she leaves somewhere he knows where she's going yeah you know she's never like truly free because he needs to keep her by for some weird possessive you know um par- almost reverse parasitic relationship thing yeah so all that stuff is it adds meat to the bones you know and so i think for me when i watched deadpool 2 i was like this is just all cream filling with none of the delicious sponge cake around it you know yeah um to provide a contrast and so for me they tried to do a little bit of that but i think it was just too too fanciful that it it just didn't feel like it had any kind of grounding like when they're out fighting him and um you know uh the um the juggernaut you know it just feels like action movie kind of combat you know just not really grounded there are no stakes in this or anything um so, anyways, that was a tangent, but <laughs> that's what we do. Um, but yeah, I guess back to Werewolf by Night. I I do really like it as a special. Um, it's mm-hmm. interesting to see the Bloodstones brought in. I am not old enough to have ever read this when it was on stands. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm unsure. Like, how is Werewolf by Night different than just a regular ass werewolf? <laughs> Well, I think uh, he's, it's really like a description. It's like calling yourself um, uh, cross guard by school time. Uh, (laughs) You're talking about, you you state what your role is. Yeah, no, 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 I I see what you're saying. No, what what I meant more was, was like, how is he... Like I, I'm, I'm unsure how his character fits into Marvel because he's just, like he's just a werewolf. Like he's not. Yeah. So he's he's a werewolf and like a crossing guard. Um, I'm not letting this go. Like a crossing guard, that is their role, and that happens during school time, yes. like right at the end of school. Yeah. They cross. So he's a werewolf, but really only at night because he needs the moon. So they're just letting you know that don't expect he can't, like, day issues. Yeah, exactly. Like, he can't, like, transform at will or... Yeah, yeah. this isn't um, a comic book that's going to be easy to read in poor lighting. Yeah. You're going to need really good lighting to deal with the low contrast of the ink prints of those times. So they're saying, he's a werewolf by night, maybe read this by day. You know, I think that's the ultimate message they were trying to get. Uh, well, I, I mean... And don't get me wrong, I would love to see them. Maybe they have tightly held under secrets plans for, like, every Halloween having another Werewolf by Night special. Like, as in... That's what I was hoping, but I I would have thought we would have heard something about it, you know? You'd think? I mean, fingers crossed, because, like, I do like this movie. I think it's really fun. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing a yearly Halloween special come out of Werewolf by Night. (laughs) You know, and it's like uh, major production stuff. I I bitch and moan to my wife all the time about this. 
that as a horror fan, there is no lack of lower budget horror or like mainstream horror stuff. So like, uh, you know, Grudge or Insidious and stuff like that. That's great. What what if I just want like horror adjacent, you know? Yeah. Uh, I got to wait. We got to wait so long to get something like this or if you were if you were down for the monsters you have to wait so long to get something like that yeah um just a little bit of horror kind of kind of camp with with some budget you know i liked seeing man thing and being like wow look his his power looked really cool like they spent some money on that mm-hmm. uh while i appreciate schlocky animatronics and like grips and stuff like um what was that uh that movie that we saw that was on the list with that um that demon that was like uh controlled by that um that gem and that little girl discovered it and oh, she had oh, control oh, of oh, him. Uh, Psycho Gorman. Yeah, Psycho Gorman. So well, I appreciate stuff like that. That that has its own place and charm. Yeah. Like something with a little bit more production cuz I I have to say that, you know, maybe I'll get hate mail. I, I watched a little bit of uh, Wednesday, but it, it didn't really knock my socks off. Same, because um, it was it's horror adjacent, and I can see what they're trying to do. And I, I'm not saying it's bad. And um, I've watched uh, you know plenty of things with uh, just to unnecessarily insurance myself. Plenty of things with uh, female protagonists. Um, there's that uh, Van Helsing show that I love the shit out of for a first a couple seasons. That's campy as hell, but so much campy fun. Yeah. But that particular story that they went through in the universe they were kind of setting up, I'm not really here for this, you know? Yeah. Um, not for me. Um, doesn't mean it's bad. Yeah. It's just, you know, I don't, I don't rate um, Japanese, uh, you know, K-pop dramas and say, like, how terrible they are. Like, oh, that one's really bad, or oh, that's terrible when I don't know anything about the genre, yeah. or it's not it's not made for me, you know? Well, and that was um, the conclusion. Because it I made for people that had a different sensibility. Yeah, like, I, cause, like, I gave it three episodes, and then I was just like, mm, I don't, I am not the target demographic for this show. I'm, I'm just going to walk away from yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, I would have liked, uh, Maybe something different, and you know, maybe it's the the memories and experience I have at the time, and those characters, um, and the the love I have for the language of those films, because those films do have a lot of like slapstick, but also like just light macabre, and also of the time period, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, you can see the film grain. You know, you could you could watch the Adams Family, and then also watch. Sandlot, you know, in the same evening, and kind of be like, okay, yeah, you know, these are sort of in the same kind of vibe thing. Um, so I think it's more more for that for me. And uh, again, another another long long aside. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much pretty much it. I, I hope we get more of this. I would take. I wouldn't take a bunch of rushed episodes, so maybe keep it closer but I'd, I'd rather have you know some different tales from the the deeper you know uh, 
sort of um, anthology-like horror experiences within the Marvel Universe. That would be cool, you know? Yeah, like um, like a what if, but, you know, g- give me give me thirsty-ass Dracula eating a hamburger in a diner. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Set up, set up a whole Dracula. universe. You bastards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, set up a whole universe of just interesting, weird characters um, and make it feel like there's a mythology that's just hiding behind that we're not aware of. Um, The John Wick movies say that they, you know, wanted to do that. And I get that. Um, The John Wick movies are, especially the first one is really great, um, but it kind of knows like what it is and you know what it is and you know that this is gonna play with the action hero tropes, but sort of like in a, uh, a more, uh, styled way, you know, um, sort of stylized in its own sort of, uh, flexing, you know, masculinity, like cool slick back hair, not really like pulsing bicep, um, you know, action movie. So, um, so yeah, you know, I just want, um, more of that, you know, give us, give us more of that. Uh, like something like Constantine, was also Keanu Reeves but that movie makes you feel like there's a whole universe there's like stuff kind of behind oh I want to see more of that and while I didn't watch really any of the show um, that character makes you feel like there's a seedy underbelly so talk about like the monster core things you know get to show us some some cool little corners of the Marvel Universe and let us see that it's more than just people in spandex you know um there can be other kind of stories and, and interactions. So. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, like I, I wish they would expand and, and silo off some of these characters, like you were saying, and just be like, yes, give me the MCU, the, the horror um, MCU. Mm-hmm. I think that would be a, a fun yeah. little sandbox for them to be in. But it sounds like we're running out of steam mm-hmm. on, on this one, other than to say that I think we both liked this. Uh, and, and would like yeah. more of it. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that that will do it for this week. <laughs> mm-hmm. See you guys next time. All right. <laughs>